and a pleasant good afternoon to you wherever you may be, however you may be listening. This is indeed the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford Touch Farm Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thank you for making this show part of your Tuesday afternoon as we are coming to you live from the WMFO studios in Medford, Massachusetts. And as always, it's a thrill to be here with you this afternoon, even as I am running on absolute fumes. <laughs> it literally took everything for me to get here this afternoon to do the show. So we're going to power through the show in the best way possible in the only way that I know how, and that is just power through the exhaustion and talk to you about sports, talk to you about what's going on and whatnot. And last night, whew, last night's game four, oh, I got a lot to, to get into. There's a lot that I want to say. So phone lines are open. You want to talk to me? Call me, 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. It's the number to call in to the Shukri Wright Show as I'm here until 4 o'clock or close to 4 o'clock today, two hours here you there, hit me up, talk to me. Today after game four for the Boston Celtics, as they pick up a huge win against the Miami Heat last night, 102-82. So, I figured that I start the show talking about just general thoughts as it pertains to the, team, to the team and the game as well. Starting with the team, the Celtics continue to, to display the pattern that has been consistent with this team all postseason long, going back to the Milwaukee series. When they face a must-win situation, they come out swinging. But last night's Game 4, I thought it was pretty telling for a number of reasons. First and foremost, the fact that the Boston Celtics held the Miami Heat to a single point, yes, You heard correctly. One point through nearly half of the first quarter. I knew then that the Boston Celtics had the Miami Heat where they wanted them. Completely disengaged. Completely disinterested. Completely just out out of sync. And that is what you saw with the Boston Celtics last night. One point through the through like the first half of the first quarter. That's number one. Number two, there were a number of things that I absolutely loved from last night's game. One of which is that while the Boston Celtics were busy building their lead, they were fulfilling a demand slash request that I put out during yesterday's show, and that is, Stop settling for threes. But of course, later in the game, they would revert back to the old-fashioned ways because they have built up such a huge lead, but it's neither here or there. That's number two. Number three, you got to give credit where credit is due, right? Derek White, you can legitimately say what's a difference maker last night for the Boston Celtics. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He was. Because I thought in games two and three, Derek White seemed to have lost his confidence as a player. And it showed in how he showed up in game three. But yesterday morning, he told the media that, quote, 
the last game and a half, I have been real passive. So on both sides, just be a little bit more aggressive and create for myself and my teammates and try to help in any way. And did he ever? Did he ever? Out of the 18 points that the Boston Celtics scored to begin the game, which they opened out to an 18-1 lead, Derek White scored seven of those points. But it wasn't just so much of the offensive output that he put to begin the game. It was his energy, his willingness to go after loose balls, his willingness to defend, his presence on the defensive end of the court. Massive. And it set the tone for the rest of the guys that were playing without Marcus Smart, who missed game four with that spring foot injury. So you got to really like what you saw out of Derek White last night. But I will even go further and say that the Boston Celtics showed an element to their game that I do think it will either help them or it will bring them down. What do you mean it will bring them down? First, let me tell you exactly what that is. When they get out to big leagues, they fall into bad habits. They fall into bad habits, and last night was another indicative example as to why I do have concerns about this team moving forward in this series. They build a nice, beautiful 25-plus point lead in the game, and then you see that Celtics lose a bit of that aggressiveness in terms of driving in the paint, attacking the rim, and they just resort back to just, we're going to just clunk up threes, and we're just going to shoot threes out of the backyard in the backcourt of the gym. And also, they did not have a good night from the three-point line. They didn't. Which now begs the question, why is it that the Boston Celtics, when they get out to these leads, they stop being aggressive? And that worries me against a team like Miami that plays with passion, that plays with fire. I mean, last night, there was very little to absolutely no resistance from the Miami Heat at all whatsoever. It was as if that the Boston Celtics came into game four and ripped the absolute will and heart from the collective souls of the Miami Heat. And that's exactly what they did. But as the game continued on, it just seemed to me that the Boston Celtics, they will create ways to generate points, to generate offense, and you saw that. You got contributions from Al Al Horford, excuse me. You saw that from Derek White. You saw that from Peyton Pritchard. The bench did its job last night. Even Aaron Neesmith contributed a little bit. But there's something about the mentality and the DNA of this team that I, for one, am trying to understand. And that is, why is that the Boston Celtics... Whenever that they are down big and they get out into these big leads, they just resort back to their to their old habits and bad ones at that. And they lose a little bit of that edge in which 
help them get out to that big lead. I'd like to know why, and I'd like to know your thoughts if you're listening to the program. Call in at 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to call into the show. 855-915-9636 is the number to call into the show. Because if there's one thing that really irritated the hell out of me regarding the Celtics last night, and yes, they did win. Yes, the series is tied. But I do want to dig a little deeper. And that is, talk about some of the things that happened in last night's game that I do wonder how will it affect the team and the series as we now enter the best of three. Because, ladies and gentlemen, game five is tomorrow night. Ladies and gentlemen, it's now do or die. It always has been do or die. But now, 100% every one of these games matter. Because if there's one thing that I do know as a fact, the Celtics cannot and will not come back to Boston down 3-2. They can't. Miami has that killer instinct. The Celtics, they play well when their backs are up against the wall. But do they have that killer instinct and and the ability to put forth that same performance they they put in Game 4 last night again in Game 5? Can they do it in two consecutive games? That's something that we have not seen since the opening round against the Brooklyn Nets. We haven't. And it's something that I I do think about. And it's something that I was thinking about today. And it's something I'm sure that I'm going to be thinking about tomorrow as we head in to Game 5 tomorrow night down in Miami. And that is, which Boston Celtics team are we going to like watch? Which Boston Celtics team are we going to watch or that's going to show up? Is it the Celtics team that absolutely annihilated the Miami Heat in Game 2? Or is it the Boston Celtics team that had a horrific third quarter in game one or did not even really show up at all in game number three? Which Celtics team is going to show up? And I think that in itself is something that we should dive deeper into. Because as much as I love the Boston Celtics right now, I do have to say that this is too much of a jack in the heart of a team. This series has shown me that the Celtics are too jackal and hide. When they're bad, they are absolutely atrocious. But when they're playing good, there's not a team left in the NBA playoffs that can stop them. Yes. That includes the Golden State Warriors, who have a chance to close out the Dallas Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals tonight in Game 4. And Dallas, who I look at and I say, there's Luka Doncic, there's Spencer Dinwiddie, and then everyone else. That's it. It's basically like they are relying on a Luka Doncic superhuman performance to keep their season alive. So, with all that being said, I do think that this is something that we're going to discuss furthermore. 
Which Celtics team are you going to expect to show up tomorrow? And even in game six. But we got to focus on game five first because right now, I don't think it's I don't think it's hyperbole to say, but this is the defining game in the series right now. Because the reality is that this is a Boston Celtics team that should be up easily. They should be up easily 3-1 to one right now in this series. But instead, it's tied. I just wonder, and I put this out there as something to just think about. I like what Derek White did last night in terms of his aggressiveness. In terms of his willingness to insert his will into the game. And he did on both sides of the basketball, offensively and defensively. I do wonder, can he do this again in game five? Because we all know that Derek White is extremely important to this team. And no, this is not coming from a false sense of self-importance. But in regards to Derek White's role to this team, no question his importance is high. His ability to to give you offense, his ability to defend as well. We talked about Derek White for months going into the playoffs. But in this series, a series in which that I really do feel like it is stunning that the Boston Celtics are not even leading three games to one. And the fact that this series has been as close, quote-unquote, close as it has been so far, that the Celtics have yet to exhibit that one last piece, the will to kill. I haven't seen it yet. Not in this series. And I do want to explore that even more so as we move along in this show because this is this is it now. This game five is everything because, one, the Celtics come back home up 3-2 if they do that. I expect the Celtics to close out in game six. They do not want to go back to Miami for game seven. That's number one. Number two... <coughs> Number two, pardon me, is that they don't want to end up falling behind 3-2. And then you got to come out to the Garden for game six on Friday night. Down 3-2 in the series. You would rather be ahead. And I think for the psyche of the Boston Celtics, game five is enormously important. There's no question about that. The lines are open. You can call into the show at 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. Coming up next, we're going to dive deeper into the Boston Celtics and my reasons and thoughts as to why the Celtics have yet to put back-to-back dominating games against the Miami Heat. Let's talk about it. And we will on the other side of this break. This is Shukri Wright. You are listening to 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford Touch Reform Radio.
completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. I came out in the 11th grade. Nobody was embracing you. The kids were cruel. It was very difficult to be gay. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. The hard part was determining that I was gonna do it, but I definitely didn't do it alone. At age 30, with the help of her mentor, Carissa finished her high school diploma. I have a mentor, Maria. She convinced me to continue my education and to finish what I started to get my diploma. Just never judges. She's a true role model. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, go get it. You can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. You know, I was, I was wondering, you know, if, if you could keep on because the force has got a lot of power and it, it makes me feel like it, it makes me feel like
Welcome back to the Sugar Right Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Tusk Street Farm Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. The number to call in is 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9626 is the number to call into the program. As I'm here with you until around 4 o'clock-ish, um, unless there is... Um, unless I decide to end the program a little early, then then we'll see. We, we, we will see. But we're going to continue the discussion about uh, Game 4 last night. And there's a thought that I really want to share with you at nauseum in, in regards to uh, the, the Boston Celtics in Game 4 last night. And it led me to have this really interesting thought that I believe it will impact the series moving forward. I really do. And the reason is because I do think that if you are the Boston Celtics, if you are trying to become an NBA champion, and I think genuinely that this is their greatest opportunity to do it right now with the team that they currently have, I sincerely believe that Every champion has to have that killer instinct. You have to have it. And that is the one thing that worries me about this Boston Celtics team is, do they have it? So far, the answer has been no. I just haven't seen the killer instinct in terms of when they know they smell blood, they pounce. And I want you to think about why I say that. And the reason why... I have said multiple times before, with the exception of the Brooklyn series, because the Celtics, yes, they dominated that series. Yes, they played well against the best one-two duo in the NBA in Kyrie and KD. But that was a series I felt like it was arguably a mismatch from, from Jump Street. It was. And also, dare I say, that I also do believe that you, for example, when I say you, I'm talking about the Celtics. When you were faced with challenges against Milwaukee, you've always have had a response. It tells me either one of two things. Your resolve is truly incredible, and I give you credit. And or two... You haven't played out like in front with a lead, quote-unquote, since the Brooklyn series where you never trailed in terms of like leading the series at all. You never trailed. You did come back from 17 points down in game two. And obviously we all remember the, the, the game-winning layup by Jason Tatum in game one of that series. But since that first series, it's legitimately been an uphill battle. You fell behind 1-0 to Milwaukee. You fell behind 2-1 to Milwaukee. You fell behind 3-2 to Milwaukee before you won it in Game 7. But as far as the Miami Heat is concerned, it's truly more of the same. You have never led in terms of being ahead in a series. Yes, they did lead in, in individual games. But as far as, hey, we're, we're out in front 2-1 or 3-2, that hasn't happened yet. 
that's why I say that if the Celtics do win game five, this would be absolutely huge. It would be huge in a sense of, one, you can come back to Boston after game five, just one win away from going to the NBA Finals for the first time since 2010. That would be massive. However, I do mean however. The thing that worries me about the Boston Celtics is, and Jason Tatum said it himself, they play the best basketball when their backs are up against the wall. That's both a good thing and a bad thing. Right now, their backs are up against the wall because the truth of the, truth of the reality is this. The Boston Celtics do not, and I'm going to repeat this again, they do not want to come back to Boston down 3-2. And they sure as hell do not want to return back to Miami for a potential Game 7 because I don't like their chances if they had to do that. So, if you have any thoughts on what I'm talking about in terms of the one thing that worries me about the Boston Celtics is in terms of their lack of killer instinct and so forth, you can call in at 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. Because I will tell you this much. If the Celtics do not take care of matters in Game 5, they are playing a dangerous game. Because the world of pressure will be on them in game six at home. Versus they come home, they're up 3-2, you have the opportunity to, uh, to close it out at home in front of the TD Garden crowd. And that in itself would be truly amazing. It would be truly incredible. I just think that if you are, if you're the Boston Celtics, I think you use today as a point where you ask, you have to ask yourselves internally, do you have that killer mentality, that killer instinct? Do you? And if you do, prove it. Prove it tomorrow night. Assume that this is a game seven. You don't want to go back to Miami. You don't want to go back to Miami for any reason at all. Unless if it's the offseason and you're celebrating coming off a championship. That's it. Other than that, you do not want to return back to Miami for a game seven. So in more ways than one, if I'm the Celtics, you're looking at tomorrow as a game seven. That's it. You're looking at it with the thought process of I'm not coming back to Miami until the offseason. And I refuse to let this golden opportunity to really take a stranglehold of a lead in this series at 3-2, something that the Celtics did not do in the last round or even this round. They never led at any given point. And to be able to relax a little bit. Relax a little bit. When I say that, meaning that they're not playing from behind. And at some point, it does catch up with the team. It catches up with the team in which that when you're constantly having to fight, scratch, and claw your way back into a game or into a series in which that you are always constantly behind, it's going to wear on you. It just is. And especially in the NBA where in the NBA, yes, it's a game of runs. No questions asked. But 
if you're the Boston Celtics, but especially if you're Tatum and Brown, wouldn't it be nice just to make things easier for yourselves just one time? Like, for real? I think it would make matters a lot easier for yourself if you are able to give yourself that kind of cushion there. Man, game five, the more I think about it, the more fired up I am, but the more nervous I do become because I do think about where the Celtics are currently as a team health-wise. How are they on the health front? They are definitely battling some um, some key injuries right now. Jason Tatum, the shoulder, who knows what the shoulder is going to be like for the remainder of this series or whatnot. And as well as also you can't forget about um, you can't forget about Marcus Smart as well. Marcus Smart nursing that foot injury? Who? And who knows what his status is for Game 6 as of right now. That hasn't even been determined at all whatsoever. So, yes. You go down to Miami, you go down to enjoy yourself. But at the same time, if you're the Celtics, you got business in front of you. And you got business that you could... Take care of now and the pleasure you can take care of after once the business is completed and done. As far as the, the Celtics is concerned, if you want to change the narrative of this team moving forward in the remainder of the playoffs, tomorrow night is the perfect night to do it. Now will be a good time. You can call into the program at 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9626 is the number to call in to the show. We are going to take another break. And when we return, coming up next, I do have a thought on the Bruins because there was a column that came out earlier today by Flutu Shinzawa that I really want to touch on. And part of the reason why I am truly am concerned for the potential direction that the Boston Bros could be going into this summer. Wait until you hear what Flutus and Zara wrote in the, in the Athletic today. That's that and much more coming up next right here on 91.5 FM. WMFO in Medford, Touch Free Farm Radio. Streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. I am Dr. Lester Grinspoon, Associate Professor Emeritus of Psychiatry at the Harvard Medical School. Back in 1966, concerned that so many young people were harming themselves through the use of marijuana, I began to review the medical and scientific literature to help clarify the nature of this harmfulness. Much to my surprise, I discovered that it was a substance remarkably free of toxicity. In fact, it is far safer than any pharmaceutical or recreational drug. There is no record of a single overdose death from its recreational or medicinal use. Marijuana is one of the most studied substances. I believe that it is high time that this country reconsider its stance on cannabis.
Welcome back to the Sugar Ray Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Touch me from radio streaming nationwide on the team and radio app and globally on WMFO.org. And the number to call in is 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to call in to the radio show. As I'm here with you, I was going to do until 4, but I think I'm going to just cut it off at 3 o'clock. Um, only because... I, only because I can feel like my energy is just dropping and whatnot, and I did not get much sleep last night. And it's starting to catch up to me, so I'm going to cut the show off at 3 o'clock. Um, but thankfully, I was able to at least get an hour of the show in. So before I even conclude the show, there was an article that came out six hours ago on The Athletic. <laughs> Talk about dropping the article in the morning and ruining the day for a lot of Bruin fans. So the column is called Bruins Night. Off nightmare off season and nine ghastly steps, and this is what Flutishenzauer of the Athletic can follow him on Twitter as well. Um, wrote that should have you feeling rather afraid and concerned. So here it is: the Bruins have made the playoffs six straight times. The general manager who designed the Ross has a contract extension pending, which I absolutely effing hate. That's my, just my personal opinion, inserting that in, as I read this column here. Most of the lineup is under contract for 2022-2023. All of this could go sideways this summer, though. Here's a look at how a nightmare offseason could play out in nine steps. First step, Patrice Bergeron retired. That is still a very major possibility. And, oh man. Number two. The Bruins do not acquire a credible Bergeron replacement. (laughs) Yeah. Bruce Cassidy is fired. Number four. David Pasternak signals he is not interested in re-signing. Number five. Brad Marchand has to miss time because he is, after all, scheduled to to have hip surgery either this offseason or the next. And the degree of the procedure is rather unknown at this time. Number six, Jake DeBrus upholds his trade request. Number seven, Matt Grizzlick is traded at a discount. Number eight, the Bruins do not find any takers for Connor Clifton, Nick Foligno, Eric Haller, Tomas Noshek, or Craig Smith. And number nine, the Bruins cannot get get back into the first round of the 2022 NHL draft. Those are the nine that, that Flutishan's hour wrote in his column this morning on The Athletic. There's a ton more detail in those columns that I'm, I'm not going to read all of it out loud because it is just too lengthy. But let's talk about it. No, seriously, let's talk about it because the Bruins, I already knew. They have a whole laundry list of things that they need to address. Number one, talk about the left-handed shot defenseman situation. Because there is there is a logjam at that at that position at this moment in time. Like, seriously. You got Lindholm, you got Forbert, you got Riley and Zaboro. Those guys are there. So it's basically four I read. And the fifth one obviously being Matt Grizzlick. But 
the thing is, as Pluto mentioned in the column, if you were to trade Grizzlick away for for little to nothing in return in terms of value, man, that would that would be really, I would like to say, a kick to the gonads. Because you're not just trading away a scrub. You're trading away a guy who is a, who's a pretty good two-way defenseman. Yes, he may not have the size that you, that, uh, that you would want in your prototypical defenseman, but he's still a good defenseman regardless. And let's address the elephant in the room, please. Let's do it. And that is Patrice Bergeron. Because Patrice Bergeron, that is the single biggest decision that is hanging over the Boston Bruins franchise moving forward. Especially right now. Your offseason is going to be rather incumbent on what do the Boston Bruins do should Patrice Bergeron retire? Or if Bergeron retires. Because if he doesn't, obviously, he wants to be back. He wants to be back for at least another year. So... Bruin fans, if you have any thoughts on this, call me at 855-915-WMFO. 855-915-9636 is the number to call in. Because even as a Bruins fan myself right now, as I sit here doing this show, there are legitimate questions that have to be asked in terms of what do the Bruins do? What do the Bruins like do moving, moving forth from here? Because Bergeron's decision is unknown right now. We don't know what he's going to decide to do. If he's going to retire or is he going to sign on for another year. But we do know for a fact that Bergeron has made it abundantly clear he does not want to play anywhere else. He's certainly not going to Montreal to play for the Canadiens. Despite the very ill-supported rumor that was only, I guess you could say, like pumped up by Tony Almonte, the guest analyst on NBC Sports Boston. Bergeron's not going anywhere else. So, I do wonder if on the other side of the plate, Bergeron retires. What now? How do you replace a guy like Bergeron? You can't. But, however... There was something in that comment that I, that I read and I talked about this. I believe it was yesterday. Pardon me if I'm getting my, my days mixed up here. But I talked about it either yesterday or sometime before. In which that Don Sweeney basically talked about how like, it may take years to replace Patrice Bergeron. Actually, I disagree with that. If you drafted better, you'd probably have your top line center down in Providence or in the minor leagues ready to go. Let's be honest. That, that 2015 draft is now officially kicking your ass. It is now giving you the, 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 the ring around the rosy, a park full of posies. Yeah, because you swung and missed at all three draft picks so far, including Jake DeBrusque, which was not a draft pick. But at some point, it's not even a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Jake DeBrus gets traded by the Boston Bruins. Because I do wholeheartedly believe it's going to happen. But when, I don't know. 
But I'll even take it a, a step further. The more that I think about it. How is it that the Boston Bruins even allow themselves to get into this position? Unbelievable. I don't think anybody has an answer for it. Nobody? Right. So let's go take a deeper look into the article because if there is one thing that I do think, I think it carries the most weight, is this particular excerpt here. Number three, in terms of the nine, nine ways that things could go absolutely sideways for the, for the Boston Bruins this summer. Fluto wrote, number three, Bruce Cassidy is fired. I'm going to read to you this particular part here because I think this is, this is absolutely telling. Perhaps Neely and Sweeney could find a coach more to their liking. It would be a younger one in all likelihood with a style that encouraged young players to play freely. But they would be letting go of a coach whose results speak for themselves. The Bruins have qualified for the playoffs every year Cassidy has been behind the wheel. He's number three behind in franchise history behind Claude Julien and Art Ross with 245 wins. Cassidy is a deep and proactive thinker. It would be a major loss. And the reason why I wanted to bring, bring that up is because the idea that Cam Neely said, hey, we're going to put Bruce Cassidy on notice that you have to make changes in terms of how you coach. Like, what a complete wuss. What a complete puss. What a puss. Like, the problem isn't Cassidy. And I have been critical of Cassidy at times. But, yes, Bruce Cassidy is a damn good coach. But the truth of the matter is, try drafting better. But no, 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 it's, it's, it's the coaches. No, 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 we're, we're not about to take the Harry Sinden route. You want to stay general manager or team president for 30 years? And whenever things go wrong or whenever crap hits the fan that you blame the coach? Is that what you want to do? Because that's exactly what it seems like where this, where this organization is heading right now. It's not, it's not the general manager's fault. It's not front office's fault. It's the fault of the coach and the way that he coaches this team. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. I'll even take it a step further. If you are the Bruins at this point in time, how do you begin to like deal with the upcoming month of June that is coming? Because, yes, I know that the Seneca playoffs and Seneca finals are, in fact, coming to an end in the next month and a half. That's not lost on me at all. But what I will say is, is that if the Bruins are not careful with making the, the wrong decisions in key areas this summer, this rebuild is going to take a lot longer than, what, three to five years. I'll tell you that for sure. And even then... This rebuild as it pertains to the Boston Bruins, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I just don't get the fact that the Bruins, the Bruins front office, um, Bass and so forth, they continue to try to scoff and knock away the idea that the Bruins are going on a rebuild. There's nothing wrong with that. But you do have to make major changes. The question now becomes, are they willing to make those major changes? 
And that's another question in itself because the truth is we've seen this time and time again that this is a team that they're not willing to make those type of changes. We got a phone call coming in. Hold on. I guess the phone call dropped, but we'll continue on. So with that being said, if, if you were just trying to call in just moments ago, try calling back into the, the radio show. We got a few minutes left before we got to go. So with that being said, that article by Fluto Shinzawa should alarm a lot of Bruin fans because this is exactly where we are now. We're at a point where the Boston Bruins or we're going to play in the coach, the responsibility is on the coach, and take no sort of responsibility for the poor roster construction and poor draft choices that this organization has been making at times since 2015. This is where we are now. This is exactly where we are. Is this surprising? No. This shouldn't surprise anybody at this point, and it sucks to even admit that. Openly, right here on this radio radio station. So, with that being said, it's now 2.55. We got about maybe five minutes left. So, we're going to jump right into final thoughts. As I did say that I was going to be on the show, do do the show until 4 o'clock. But because my energy is honestly very low. And... I am exhausted, having not slept well at all last night. It would just be best if I end the show at 3 o'clock instead of 4 o'clock. But since I'm in the radio station, I will be able to upload yesterday's show and today's show on demand so that you're able to listen to it um, on demand uh, whenever you are able to give it a listen and so forth. So with that being said, time for the final thoughts by... Yours truly, Shukri Rights on 91.5 FM, WMFO in Medford. And that is, the Celtics have got to win game five for their psyche and for their own good and prove to themselves that they can jump on the throat of their opponent and take a lead and play with a lead in the series. I think it's huge. And I do believe that Each and every time that you are able to play ahead in a series, it changes your whole mentality. But when you have to constantly play from behind, it is absolutely, it's critical. It's absolutely a critical detriment to the mental fortitude of this team. Which is why if you were listening to the program before, at the beginning of the show, even in the second segment specifically, I, I ask openly, do the Celtics lack that killer instinct? I really do think they do. But I think a lot of it can change if the Celtics are able to win game five tomorrow night. Jason Tatum put it out there for everybody to hear. He basically said, we have to now do this, what they did in game four, again in game five, two games in a row. And he's right. He's absolutely right. Will the big dogs in Tatum, Brown, Derek White, 
Will they come out to play? Will Marcus Smart be available to play? Will Robert Williams be available to play? Important questions that I'm asking now that I'm sure we will have an answer to in the next 24 hours. But this is going to be fun. This is now where things get real interesting and dicey. Game six is Friday night here in Boston at TD Garden. Will the Celtics return back to Boston from Miami up 3-2 or down 3-2? We'll find out. We're going to find out tomorrow night. <laughs> I'm telling you, game five can't come fast enough, but it's a good thing that we have these games that are like basically every other day, so to speak. I think that's the best kind of schedule to, to have in the playoffs. And also keep in mind that the NBA Finals start next week on June 2nd. So if you're the Celtics, you should want to end this series in six games because, frankly, you need that one week of rest for the guys that are nicked up with injuries right now. It's so important, especially as you head into the finals, if the, if the Celtics get to the NBA Finals. And that is my prayer at this point for the Boston Celtics. Win the series in six. I predicted the Celtics would win the series in six games. Time to prove me right. Prove me right, please. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Touch free from radio streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. This is Shukri Wright signing off. I'll talk to you guys again more than likely tomorrow. We'll see. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on social media for the latest updates on the Shukri Wright Show when I'll be on the air or whatnot. And like I said, it'll probably be tomorrow before game five. And we're going to take it from there. So thanks to all who have tuned in today. It's been a blast being back on the radio again for the third straight day in a row. I'll talk to you again hopefully tomorrow. Have a good rest of your Tuesday, everybody. Peace out.